Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. As always, exciting episode today. We have Adam of Papa and Barkley, probably best known for their very effective topical products and one of the most recognizable brands in cannabis today. Uh, Adam shares his very authentic story of how he started producing the product for his very sick father at the time. Uh, it's a fantastic episode for anybody that's building a brand right now or scaling a brand. You guys are really going to love it. Special thanks to Heffernan Insurance Brokers for sponsoring today's show. Finding insurance to protect your cannabis company can be tricky. Uh, you need a trusted advisor to help you figure out all the fine print. You can reach out to Marshall or Tanner of Heffernan for a completely free first conversation. They're there to talk about your needs. They really are very helpful. You can email them directly. We've set up this email, ic at hefins.com, ic at h-e-f-f-i-n-s.com. Thanks again, guys, for supporting the show. If you support this show and you listen to it every week, show us some love and give us a quick review on the podcast app. It really helps us grow. Much appreciated, guys. All right, let's get into the episode with Adam of Papa and Barkley. You're going to learn a ton. I learned a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Well, Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Been looking forward to this interview for some time. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah. So let's just get started on an easy one. Uh, what is Papa and Barkley? Papa and Barkley is a cannabis-based wellness products company uh, based in California. Uh, we are focused on. We initially focused on the topicals section uh, with pain balm and transdermal patches. We now sell consumables, including capsules and tinctures as well as uh, some other products got it yeah so i think most people will know you for the bombs and i think they're they're widely accepted as one of the few that actually work um and i know that's for some pretty specific reasons but um let's talk a little bit about the bombs and sort of how you how you set yourself apart from others in this increasingly busy market sure i appreciate the question uh well it it kind of all occurred very naturally and organically. I, I made the first version of the bomb for my father's back. Uh, he he was, was elderly uh, and developed a, a back condition, spinal stenosis, that uh, left him bedridden and we didn't know what to do. And we put, we put him in the hospital. They didn't know what to do. And uh, when he got discharged we called in the pain specialists uh and they put him on hospice and said that if he didn't get out of bed in the next week to 10 days that he probably would not uh, make it and i was in uh i was obviously very desperately fearful of uh the situation and i i went online that night and looked up formulas and developed the first bomb for his back based on some diy formulas that i i found online and uh, called up a high school friend of mine and, and got the best weed that I could get and uh, mixed up an initial batch of it with about two ounces. So the, the, the first bomb that I made was um, from that scenario, from that situation and uh, extremely potent and, and it worked. When I put on it on my father's back the next day, I could get him out of bed and he responded to it amazingly. and. I realized the potential of, of 
this plant and, and this product. And that ultimately led to Puffman Barkley, but it, it's, it's also colored the way that we, we look at our products, which is uh, sort of the highest potency and quality that we can make, uh, sort of born from that experience and perspective. Yeah, so fascinating how you started there. Did you have any history of ointments or making stuff like that? Or, I mean, what kind of what drove you to do that, I guess, or get started? Uh, I, it was uh, really just serendipity. I was a, a longtime user of, of cannabis, both medicinally and recreationally, and uh, certainly was aware of, of some of its medicinal benefits, but I'd never done anything like that before. And it was really just the, the desperation of the circumstance and, and luck. I, I, when my dad came home that night, I was distraught and I, I got a call from a friend of mine in California, my, my friend Belisa, and she was the one who had the idea. She said, well, I, she had been in a dispensary and seen some bombs. And so she suggested that I, that I look it up and see if I could make one. And that's exactly what I did. And, and what was the first result like? I mean, wh what was that first kind of MVP product, I guess? Uh, how did it feel? How was it different from, from maybe what we had experienced today? No, it's very close to what we, what we have today. Um, when we, the, the, the way that the company started was I, I started after having the benefit of, of my experience with my dad, I started giving away samples to friends and family and getting amazing feedback and started pursuing it as a passion project. And uh, that journey took me to California where I met my partner, Guy, who's really the, the subject matter expert uh, and an amazing, I call him an artist with the plant. He's an amazing grower and extractor of oils and formulator of products. And he, he, uh, he, he uh, had had experience in the Colorado market as well. And is just a terrific individual. Uh, but when we experimented around trying to make the bomb different ways, it really didn't have the same efficacy as uh, the, the cooking process and sort of the time that it takes. And so we have since evolved sort of the way that we cook our base oils. We're just adding sort of pressure and water. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's a pressurized cook process. That's not unlike what you do in a crock pot. It's a lipid infusion. And, uh, that's what we use today. But when we tried to vary the methodology to make the product, it, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't as effective and it, it just wasn't the same. Got it. So very different sort of the lipid extraction from the others that are doing a CO2 or ethanol or butane, um, kind of what, what are the pros and cons there? Like, do you find a similar output as if you were using a solvent or, um, does it take longer or kind of, well, why have you chosen this, this method, I suppose? I think there are certainly more efficient methodologies out there. And most of the folks in the, in the industry use, uh, CO2 primarily, I think is the, the largest methodology for efficient cannabinoid extraction. The, from our perspective, uh, we prefer what we're doing because the CO2 extraction actually splits the, the plant into two uh, components. So the output of that process is to have the, the, the clear uh, THC and, and uh, cannabis and, and uh, cannabinoid uh, component in one vessel and in a separate vessel, you have the terpenes and 
the other phytocannabinoids um, besides the, the THC and, and the CBD through the CO2 extraction. So we focus on whole plant or full spectrum uh, infusions where we're transferring the entire profile of the plant into the base carrier oils. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that, that fundamentally underlies uh, what we believe is that the, the concept of the entourage effect that I think Raphael Meshulam first coined um, in his research in Israel back in the 60s, but this notion that the combination of the phytocannabinoids working together uh, actually enhances the effect, so the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So all, all of our products are, are a full spectrum or a whole plant uh, infusion, and uh, we, we process all of our products without any chemicals or any solvents. That's another part of our core brand identity. We just want to take the purest flower and transfer it in its natural state uh, as purely as possible into the final product. Got it. Yeah, this entourage effect, uh, the idea that the CBD is best with a little bit of THC, um, it sort of begs the question, a lot of people are now producing CBD-only products, including uh, yourselves, it looks like in, in Colorado, other places. Um, how effective are they relative to not having any of that THC in it? Well, I would just clarify that uh, even our Puppa and Barkley Essentials uh, CBD-only line of, of products, uh, it meets the federal standard, meaning it's under the 0.3% of uh, THC necessary to qualify it as CBD only in, in sort of the eyes of the law. Uh, but in fact, it does have uh, a full spectrum extract of, uh, and it's from a, a beautiful flowering strain of hemp uh, that is and looks exactly like a cannabis plant, but just with a different uh, different profile. And so uh, even those the, the products that we put out that are CBD only do have other uh, have some uh, THC in them, but not enough to have any uh, intoxicating effect, uh, nor to violate any of the federal standards. Got it. Well, I guess I'll ask the question a little differently. Is that below 0.3% um, enough to sort of create the same impact as, as your original product would? I think it, it, it depends on its intended use, and it, it also depends on the individual uh, I think, for instance, for epilepsy patients uh, that are taking a CBD-only product, they're, they're having amazing results. And similarly, folks that are, are, are taking the CBD-only products um, can have great results for anxiety reduction, for inflammation reduction. And and uh, so so I don't think that uh, there's it's a question of, of efficacy depending upon the amount of THC as, as much as what is the specific condition that you have and and what's your particular blood chemistry and endocannabinoid system since they're all unique and the product effects vary widely from individual to individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And do you sort of, is that why the full line of products has sort of come out now? It, because certain people with certain ailments need a different delivery vehicle and the oils, the capsules, patches, um, lots of lots of skews today. Do those appeal to certain different people or different ailments? Or talk to me about how how you made those decisions. The product roadmap there. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that that's sort of fundamental to the to the premise. We we at Pepper and Barkley are trying to.
create products in different delivery media, uh, different ways of, of ingesting or applying the cannabinoids and, and really underlying the notion that you sort of have to have your own right ratio uh, of cannabinoids that, that is very much sort of a, a trial and error process. So um, as I mentioned, because everybody's different and, and unique in their endocannabinoid systems and their blood chemistry, et cetera, depending on, I, I think it's a journey and, and it requires that diversity of, of products and, uh, and potencies that we provide for that very reason, because it is such a, a, a it requires real customization, I think. Mm -hmm. Got it. Do you have a favorite of the products? Are you privy to the original one? You prefer the original one? or? Well, I have, uh, I definitely have a sentimental attachment to the bomb. It's not only because, you know, I had some involvement in making it, um, but just because of the experience that, that it engendered with my dad and what it sort of represents, even in the application, uh, just sort of rubbing this, uh, it feels great and you rub it on people you love and, and it makes them feel better. So, uh, there's a certain just base, uh, just a lot of wonderful elements around that, that first, uh, that first core product that, that makes it special for me. Yeah, no, I totally could imagine. Um, so after you sort of have, uh, that base formula, uh, then tell me a little bit about the sort of branding and packaging, like the CPG story here. Yeah. So, I mean, luckily that the, we, we, I had this experience that really drove the business right from the start. And, and because my partners are, are very like-minded and I, I think that that brand identity and, and, and the mission that we are on to unlock the potential of cannabis to improve people's lives it's, it's, I think something special within the cannabis industry, you have really talented, creative people that are, are looking to do something meaningful. And we've really built a, a team around, around that, that brand identity. Um, in, in terms of how we present, um, and, and sort of the branding, it, it kind of all emanated from that, that core, which was just a highly potent product that, that sort of had to work and, and focus on quality. And we tried to reflect that quality in the packaging, uh, that, we, that, that we, you know, that we put together. And, uh, I very early on, I mean, so the reason it's called Puffin Barkley is that my, my nieces and nephews call my, my father, Papa, um, Barkley was my, my dog that became my father's dog as I was commuting between New York city where I was living and, and, Boston, where my parents were living. Awesome. Um, and so I went back and forth. He's a beautiful 70 pound pit bull and, uh, he wouldn't leave my father's side and, and he was such a comfort to him. He, he slept in the bed under the covers with him every night. And, uh, so it was the three of us in that room that went through that experience. We, we were, I was looking at the cannabis space from a totally different angle from, from uh, an investment angle. And so th this, this, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was clear when, when I started playing with the concept of, of this uh, becoming a product that uh, it would be called Puffin Barkley. 
Yeah, very, very cool. I, I want to dive uh, a little bit into your background here. Such an awesome background. And I guess one could ask, and uh, I guess you told us that story already, but, you know, why cannabis? Why are you here now? I mean, uh, starting as a lawyer, right, for, for some time. Tell us a little bit how you got into this, what you were doing before. Uh, well, my, my career path has been uh, quite varied, and I did start my career out in California as a, as a lawyer, um, practiced law for five years here, and uh, then had a, a, a number of entrepreneurial experiences. Uh, first, I brought into a company that a classmate of mine at Georgetown had founded uh, in the specialty finance space. We were a first mover in buying lottery winnings from people. Uh, so wow. people, they were getting paid out over time. And uh, so my, my, my business partner started the company and that was a, an interesting experience. And then uh, sold that business and then started uh, investing in early stage companies and playing an operating role to help them scale. So I did that with another company in the specialty finance space. And uh, I, <laughs> uh, I, I had a really interesting uh, business, a research company in the brain health space. Uh, we had a, a contract with the Department of Defense to develop a, a brain device to remotely assess brain trauma and war fighters. Uh, and then my last business before this was uh, a private equity backed transaction in the dental practice management space. So I was the chief operating officer uh, of a dental practice management company. And in, in that instance, the, we were acquiring dental offices and integrating them into a central management company and getting the uh, economies of scale from accounting and insurance. And, and, uh, and I built a, a marketing platform, but the goal there was to sort of build a, a multi, uh, multi-state uh, scalable platform. And, uh, that experience really has, has, uh, been beneficial for doing what we're, what we're doing here. But yeah, I've done a lot of different things in my career and somehow, uh, they seem to line up with, uh, the skill set uh, that that's needed to, to do what we're doing today. Yeah. So diverse. I, I mean, I guess you've worked in a number of different industries. What's the difference with the cannabis industry? I mean, there's a couple things that are just like, were surprising to you when, when you got involved. Oh, so much about this industry is just fascinating from the diversity. Uh, obviously, the regulation is just crazy and the, the intensity of the regulation and uh, the need to, to navigate and, and, and uh, execute against a constantly evolving uh, set of rules is, is one piece of it. The fact that there are no... No, no existing experienced parties in any component part of, of the business because, um, well, with the exception, I guess, of, of the farmers, but in terms of the manufacturing and, and the distribution side of things, everyone is just uh, building these companies in California for this specialty purpose of distributing uh, cannabis or, or manufacturing. Uh, it, it's just a, an incredible entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem, and and because our model involves all of those component parts, uh, we are we are constantly, um, <laughs> yeah. It, it requires a lot of a really strong teaming. Yeah, you uh, leads well into my next question, which is uh, distribution continues to be sort of this new and super important part of California cannabis sales. Um, you guys have chosen to self distribute the entire time. 
why and you know have you been tempted by other distributors out there and and uh you know obviously you continue you you're planning to continue to do that as well but take me through that analysis a little bit yeah so and initially we were very early uh in market we we were operating under the old the 215 regulatory scenario so you know, we just launched with, with very little money and, and uh, out of a house that he owned. And so we were self-distributing from the start. And even as we got some traction and, and started to grow as a, as a brand, um, we, we did for a minute uh, start to work with, with a third-party distributor and found that what was really important to us was that the, the brand identity extended across to all levels of execution, meaning the product needs to be there on time. If we said we we're going to be there, we needed to be there. Um, we also, there's so much interaction between the drivers uh, and, and our dispensary partners that we put all of them through uh, brand ambassador training and, and really everybody at the company views themselves in that way. So I, I guess it was really just the the reality that, that from an execution standpoint, we just felt that we wanted to be able to control, um, you know, executing across every required element of the business at a very high level. And just because everybody was figuring out their own stuff, if you were going through a third party distributor and they had a bunch of other clients and they, their systems were just evolving, which was the state of the, the market until very recently, really, uh, we just found that we wanted to and take that execution risk on ourselves and that that would that, that was all just a very important part of our overall uh, brand identity is, is is making sure we did everything at the highest level got it yeah and you certainly have had a lot of success uh, with that certainly one of the most recognizable brands in california and sounds like soon to be other places um how do you sort of judge that traction as a operator and one-time investor and I mean, what, what metrics do you look at daily, weekly, sort of when you wake up in the morning? What's what's key? Well, obviously, you know, at the end of the, the day, uh, we're all being tracked on, on sales and, and our effectiveness in the market. So uh, but but we really look at uh, average order size because we view that as an indicator of whether or not we're being good uh, partners with with our our dispensary clients and uh in terms of sort of the overall management of the business it, it's it's not <laughs> i can't say that we've reached the point that everything is is perfectly dashboarded but we were lucky enough to adopt really early on a management system uh and and it involves sort of a visioning process but also uh quarterly offsite meetings where we really reset our key deliverables and by company-wide and by each functional area and then ultimately to to the executives and it creates accountability it's a it's a great system and that part of that system are weekly meetings with each functional area and at those meetings we have uh, a scorecard specifically developed so you know our production metrics are are reviewed there and um, at the executive level our scorecard uh, highlights things like uh, our average order size, the penetration in delivery services, and in uh, and in dispensaries, since new dispensaries are uh, licensed on an ongoing basis, 
um, our production metrics, both in terms of units and, and dollar volumes, um, personnel counts, stuff like that. Got it. Okay. And when you think about sort of the demographics, we've, we've talked about your dad and sort of seniors, but when you look towards the next segment of users that are going to try Papa and Barkley products, tell me a little bit about who they are and, and sort of how you're targeting them. Sure. So in California and in, in the regulated market, we have uh, three targeted demographics. One is, as you mentioned, a, a focus more on seniors, so chronic uh, pain managers. And and as with most of, of marketing in California, it, it, it's pretty focused, at least our, our marketing is pretty focused on events because you have a lot of restrictions on being able to do online advertising in the in the regulated market in California. So, uh, so the events that we do in the senior demographic are, uh, include a, a, we, we have a, a bus service with a number of dispensaries where we bus seniors, um, and, and take them from an assisted living facility to the dispensary and demonstrate the products and educate them and actually sign them up to get their med cards as well. Um, second demographic are, are what we call the DIY healers. Those are 30s and, and 40s soccer moms that are focused on quality, very health conscious. And so we do a lot of stuff with uh, yoga studios and in the wellness space, uh, breathing classes um, and, and uh, events of that nature. And the third demographic are our weekend warriors who are uh, I guess uh, skews more more to the male athletic um, guys like me that get sore from uh, working out aging athletes and uh, the focus there is uh, yeah primarily on, on sort of the sports pain and inflammation uh, whereas I think there's more probably lifestyle events uh, wellness mocktails CBD mocktails types of events that uh, we do with the uh, DIY healers, the yoga moms. So with new people in any of those demographics, somebody that hasn't tried uh, any kind of topical before, maybe any kind of cannabis product before, there must be some skepticism. You know, somebody that's tried Ben Gay or Icy Hot and kind of what's the answer there? Why is cannabis so much more effective as a topical than, than traditional things? Well, it's so, it's so funny you say that. I have a, a great example of that. We do all of our production up in, in Eureka, and uh, that was sort of another karmic alignment point in the in the startup of, of Pup and Barkley is the fact that I had family there and had been going to, to Humboldt and to Eureka for years before any of the cannabis stuff started. Um, but as you know, Eureka and Humboldt has a long history with cannabis, and uh, there are some folks there that understandably have had you know negative impact to their land or or you know other stuff that happened back in the day um even though there was a lot of great things that were occurring you know with some of the organized crime that was in the area you have some really conservative people and and i respect their life experience uh that preceded us with cannabis and in fact that i think really motivates me and us to be that shining example of what cannabis can do. And to that end, uh, our landlord in our, our first facility uh, is a gentleman that, that even though the, the 
cannabis uh, regulations coming into effect were would be super favorable to his properties. Uh, he would get up at the, the planning commission meetings and, and was virulently anti-cannabis. Um, he, he's now giving away samples of, of our bomb to his, his friends and family in so the area. Cool. And, uh, and he's, he was our, our first landlord there. So, so we really had the impact. And I think as a brand, because at the core of our brand identity, it, it, it being around non-psychoactive pain products like the bomb or transdermal patches, it's just very difficult to argue with, with, with that from a moral standpoint. It, it doesn't get you high and, and, uh, and they work tremendously well. So I think it's mainly from the actual user experience and uh, the referrals that comes the best, uh, the best first conversation with folks that haven't tried cannabis. Yeah, lots and lots of anecdotal evidence. I mean, I hear from people all the time. You're sort of the go-to if their, you know, parents or grandparents have a lot of pain. They say try the bombs, but that's all sort of anecdotal. Um, if people ask for specific data, it's one of the things we don't have enough of in the cannabis industry. But are there studies that you point to? Some research that that you guys have done? So we. We have been trying to do a good job collecting the anecdotal data, and we have done some studies. We just completed a study, and these are, are, are not nearly the IRB-approved clinical trials that take place in the FDA world, although I should say we we have submitted a, a, a an IRB-approved uh, small and uh, underpowered clinical trial uh, with a hospital in Israel that we have a relationship, Herzliya Hospital. And so we have a, a trial teed up for 20 patients with neuropathic pain from diabetes, uh, with a, uh, the diabetes uh, physician that works uh, in conjunction with Herzliya Hospital. And so we're hoping to effectuate that study this summer. Uh, that would be the first clinical trial of sorts that, that we will, would have uh, done under those circumstances of a true independent review board of a hospital, um, as would be the case in Israel. But uh, we just recently completed our second anecdotal test, more of a focus group, but where we gave, uh, it was a placebo controlled test of our CBD tincture. And um, so we, we were, had uh, personal trainers and uh, some of their clients that were testing for sports recovery and uh, performance enhancement. And uh, I can't really cite conclusive data from those studies. We're, we're dialing it in, but uh, inconclusively, there was some a lot of excitement. Let's say uh, amongst the uh, uh, about sixty percent of the athletes that participated in the study reported sort of improved uh, performance and and faster recovery um, from the from the CBD tincture versus the, the placebo. Yep. So much of this is about sort of consumer education here, though, like even if somebody's willing to think about it, like how do you sort of drive that education? You talked about events. What are some of the other ways that you started doing some creative marketing or getting people to, to see these benefits? In uh, Within the California dispensary scene, we, we, we have, I think, 28 brand ambassadors now that uh, – are in, in dispensaries every day, uh, multiple times a day. We have patient education days. So our, our ground game is, is there um, really just because of the complexity of 
the the products in terms of really understanding it for particularly for first time uh, users. You really requires a, a, an in person conversation that can range because there's just lots of questions. Of course, we uh, have a, a video series where my partner Guy, it's called Plant Made, and that's a YouTube video series that I think he does a great job, just in sort of short uh, bites explaining what the endocannabinoid system is, basics of CBD, and education is, is a, a, a real tenet of, of what we do. So our future plans and our current work is all around uh, education from a variety of perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the growing business requires an excellent team. I have a note, you're up to 130 people now, which is pretty awesome. Uh, my, my question for you is sort of, you have such this authentic story and culture around how you started. How do you maintain that with all the additional people that, that you've hired? So we, we focus a lot on uh, community events up in Eureka in particular. We just had 40 people participate in the Perilous Plunge, which is an annual winter jump into the bay, and uh, the, harbor, uh -huh. the Eureka Harbor. Um, so we focus a lot about uh, around corporate culture. We have a monthly all-hands call, and we try and use technology, and we gather everybody into three uh, locations, so in, in Eureka and L.A., and then we have a mid-state um, and uh, and we we focus a lot on internal education, on uh, accessibility. Uh, Guy and I just came back from a trip up to Eureka, where we sat down with every employee there to just get feedback, um, make sure that we knew everybody's name, and um, because things are changing so rapidly, it's it's really it's it, it involves a lot of time talking to people is the, the best way to maintain that, that culture. But we also have the system I mentioned earlier, and part of that system involves, it, it's all about communication and accountability and, uh, and trusting your, your, your folks. Um, so yeah, I feel really, really good about the, the team that we have and the way that we operate and the way that I believe we're really aligned with, with, uh, creating something special and, and having a true mission. Yeah. Uh, also, just a couple other really cool things that looks like you do. A uh, matching 401k, which is really rare in the cannabis industry. And then I also have a note that you sort of pay higher wages than market. Uh, is that something that you set out to do? And, and I guess, how are, you, how are you able to do that? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it, it, what we set out to do, what I set out to do was create the kind of company that I always wanted to work for. And that's a company where we really respect the opinions of people and the ability of people to add value like throughout the organization where people are paid well uh, and where they share in the upside and, and, and the equity. So yeah, we do have a, a, a matching immediate match 4% 401k. Our hourly starting wage is I think about uh, I, I mean, I know it is $15 an hour after 90 days, it moves to, uh, to 16 and then a year after that, you know, very quickly up the line. So we definitely pay higher than the prevailing hourly rates for our 
our workers that are on hourly and for our more senior staff, many of the staff have uh, incentive shares in the company. So they're equity holders and shareholders and it helps us all drive in the same direction. Yeah, no, I mean, very, very cool the way that you're thinking about it from from the bottom up there. Um, of course, paying all those wages does require uh, some fundraising. And without getting too deep into the details here, you've been at this for uh, a few years now, and I'm sure you've had a number of discussions with investors and, and potential investors. How have those conversations sort of evolved over that time period? So early on in the, the movement of capital in the financial markets, just also a, a really interesting aspect of, of this market uh, from what's happening up in Canada with the public investors. And it, it's, it's crazy, but sorry, that's not your question. Um, but that's an interesting answer. Is that something that you guys have, have thought about or it must have come across your desk? Yeah, we, we started to go down that road and determined that it, it, it really... It, it didn't make sense for us. We're still a, a small company and we're trying to grow around a, a core set of, of values and we're not looking to, yeah, it, I think that just based on our, our strategy of, of growing thoughtfully and carefully around a core set of products and, and, a, and core physical location and, and expand in a, with good fundamentals, We've been fine in matching those needs and, and growing the, the company maybe a little more slowly than we otherwise could have. Um, but but it's worked for us and, and the way that we've we initially capitalized uh, my partner Scott Gordon and Ellie Gordis and I uh, had founded a, an investment vehicle called Rock Holdings. So we put some money into that uh, business and then because of of our networks and, and really primarily their excellent networks, our friends and family around investors, uh, not only were super supportive with capital, um, but also uh, we were able to connect uh, with some of those friends and family around and investors who serve as, as strategic advisors. And uh, those include uh, Jonathan Shapiro, who is a very successful business person and now executive coach and management consultant who brought us the management system that we've been uh, working with and, and he's been super helpful. The chairman of our scientific advisory board is Oren Davinsky. Uh, Oren, uh, many of your listeners will probably know Oren's name because uh, he not only runs uh, NYU Langone Center for Epilepsy Research, but was the principal investigator uh, in the phase two and phase three clinical trials of Epidiolex. And so is, is in my mind, the world's leading authority on, on uh, CBD, at least in, in the context of, uh, of epilepsy. Um, and so in any case, we, 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 uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we were successfully able to do an initial friends and family round. Our second uh, friends and family round uh extended sort of through that same network to a number of early moving uh, institutional investors who were able to cut a little larger checks. And then our, our last round, we had a larger uh, institutional investor uh, participate in, in that round. So we've been super lucky that uh, things have lined up for us with respect to uh, raising capital and, and, and really 
I think achieving really good relationships with, with, uh, capital partners. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how much luck is involved. You guys have put together a pretty, pretty awesome offering here. Um, so one of the questions that I'm sure all the investors ask is about a potential exit strategy. And even though it's important, I'm sure you think a lot about building a big business, as you said, how much do you think about that strategy and, and any sort of hints as to what that might be? Yeah, it's a great question. The, the way that this opportunity emerged and the fact that, you know, I personally am so tied to it as a, as a brand and a mission makes me less focused on, on the exit. I, I fully believe that you know, we're super lucky to be in this market that is exploding for the right reasons, uh, with, with potential and, and with, with capital. And I'm confident that we'll navigate the, uh, the, the finance side of the business. I'm really focused on building something that is amazing, that, that really changes people's lives. It's durable and, I think the the value will come in that, and and uh, in terms of the the overall exit, to I, I guess probably would be more likely to to partner with a, a financial uh, partner, and and like I I'd, I'd like to see the folks that are that are growing as cannabis professionals uh, in this business. Um, take over this company when, uh, you know, that, that, that scenario appeals to me as well. So partnering with a financial partner that, that would, uh, effectuate that, um, probably wouldn't sell out to a large pharmaceutical company or a big tobacco company. I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's our destiny. Um, I, I think the, uh, yeah, the, the nature of, of the opportunity and the real ability to, create something special that improves people's lives is, uh, yeah, that's, that's the focus. And I think we'll, we'll access the capital necessary to, to achieve that. Yep. Um, you talked a little bit about the future, but I want to dive in a little deeper there. You think about 2019, 2020, kind of what, what are the next steps for you guys? What's, um, what are, what are sort of the next, uh, hurdles, I suppose? So, yeah, we, we are, I think in a position right now in 2019, where we've kind of just shifted into a, a new reality. And by that, I mean, up in Eureka, uh, for all of 2018, we've made almost everything by hand. Still, uh, we were operating out of small, somewhat cramped quarters, uh, actually not somewhat, definitely cramped quarters, uh, 3,700 square feet. And then we got another 1800 square feet. Um, we now, this quarter have moved in to a, a much larger manufacturing space. And so we're settling in and uh, we have automated uh, lines to produce our core products. And so we're really just optimizing what our, our core product suite, how, how it's made in an automated uh, basis and, and, and what that footprint looks like. And so when we think about other states in future years, and that's not this year, but maybe maybe next, um, that, that's, that's the optimized model that we're really sort of dialing in in Eureka right now from a production standpoint. On the distribution side, similarly, we uh, were in really tight quarters and uh, we, we brought our exact team into new offices just last week. Uh, I'm speaking to you from Pasadena and our new uh, 
our new executive uh, building. And um, so really the, the, the core regulated uh, business, we're, we're just now kind of settling into places where we have room to grow and, and operate and, and uh, really establishing the way that we are now doing business less as a, as a entrepreneurial, but a more stabilized business. At the same time, we have launched our CBD only uh, line of products, Pup and Barkley Essentials, and that that business unit differs in a number of ways. You can sell things online. You can work with national retailers. So it's it that part of the business is is in its earlier stages and requires a lot of attention and just the core uh, build out of stuff. So that's that's a big part of our focus for this year. Um, and then I think when we look to 2020 and, uh, and beyond that, uh, we think about other states and, and folks we might want to partner with, with other states and even, you know, have some thoughts about international expansion as well. Got it. Yeah. Uh, interesting on all fronts. Uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit and sort of talk about you, uh, as an operator first, you know, there's so many moving pieces to this. Uh, tell us a little bit about what a typical day looks like for you. I put that in, in quotes, typical. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of diversity, uh, both in our business model and, 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 and how that reflects on what I do every day. But I get up pretty early um, and try and have a little bit of time to walk with my dog, Cooper, and, um, and get to the gym. But I'm usually on calls uh, back east pretty early um we have a series of um operational meetings throughout the week that that correspond to that broader management system i keep alluding to and because it's a real effective way once a quarter of breaking down all of the key deliverables and then on a weekly basis reinforcing it it the structure is is uh really helps to just determine are we on track or off track on things. So I will typically uh, attend one of those meetings and since there's a few different functional areas. Um, and then more and more just, uh, there's obviously the finance side of things. So there are some investors that are interested and, uh, you know, so it, it makes sense to keep a pulse on on what's happening out in, in the investment side of things. and. You know, and I, and I really like to not disconnect from the from from folks that are that are here every day. So, um, be it meetings with the executive team or sitting in down, you know, with the guys in logistics late night when they have an order going out, and you know, keeping it light and, and joking around with those guys. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot to do every day. Forget about the emails and <laughs> and, uh, and and the travel stuff. But uh, I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> yeah, no, totally you did. Um, how do you think your personal relationship with cannabis has has evolved through uh, building this company? Oh, I, I, it's it's been amazing. I, I've learned so much through my partners, primarily through Guy Rocor, who I mentioned is really the creative genius. Uh, at the, at the core of the business and, and Boris Sharansky, our chief operating officer who brings a ton of knowledge and experience and, and intellectual firepower, particularly on the CBD side of the business. So 
I've just learned so much from from them and from the process of developing our the infusion technology that he has been working on from an IP perspective and the systems um, that we're building. But in, in, with respect to cannabis specifically, uh, yeah, just the variety of ways to, to process it and, and uh, to experience it and enjoy it uh, in different ways. I, 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 it's this magical plant and, and I, I don't use that term lightly i mean if uh, you have to be pretty cynical not to think cannabis is magical when you think about it in the context of uh, taking away people's pain and and curing human disease uh and so its potential is immense and our whole business is built around uh, exploring that potential and, and unlocking that potential so uh, yeah i i am i am consistently excited to come to work every day and to continue on that journey. Very, very cool. I think that's as good a place to wrap up as any. Uh, before we go, how can our audience help you? Are you hiring for anything or anything you'd like to plug while, while you have the stage? Well, I would love for people to go to puppetandbarkleyessentials.com. It's kind of a mouthful or a typeful, but uh, I would love for, for people to both you know, visit the, the website and of course try our products um, and love for feedback with regard to the experience with the products. We're always interested in uh, hearing people's stories and that's one of the most gratifying things is the amount of, of unsolicited uh, emails and messages that we get uh, online or about people's experience and the ones that with the products I should say and and the ones that I always pay particular attention to are when people are talking about that they recommended our product to their mother or their father or, or to a sister and uh, that family connection. So, yeah, I would love to, to, to hear anybody who's been inspired by, by what we're doing or, or, or by cannabis more broadly. Uh, feel free to, to write to me uh, directly at adam at puppinbarkley.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again. You were a super authentic guest, and I always uh, really appreciate the open, honest answers here. So thanks again. It's been great. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It was great.